Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hey, you guys, it's Anna David here with After Party Pod, uh, the podcast all about addiction, recovery, mental health, all that falls in between. I'm doing something super fancy, which is I just moved across the room with these two mics. And I did that because I wanted to get over to my email because I wanted to share the most amazing email that I received from one of you. Getting to that in a moment. Hey, how are you? Uh, what do I have to say? Well, it's a Tuesday and it's dark out already because that's what daylight savings time does at 547. I don't know about you, but I used to get so depressed by daylight savings time um, to the point that that day, you know, which was always kind of the day after Halloween was pretty much the, I guaranteed it was the worst day of the year. And it would take me like really the entire daylight savings time to get over how depressing it was to get, you know, to get back to spring ahead. And I I don't know, it has not been that bad this year. Could be a delayed reaction. It's been a couple weeks. I notice, I mean, I'm looking outside and it's dark, but it doesn't seem horrible. So I don't know, feedback, thoughts, you guys experiencing that? Um, Something else that's that's not going to be relevant by the time that you hear this is my sober uh, anniversary, as they say in New York, a birthday, as they say in LA, a tomorrow, 14 years tomorrow. And I've been saying, by the way, that I have almost 14 years, I think, since since November 20th last year. Uh, so, so that's cool. And, you know, another thing is, you know, you hear people say lots of things that are true and untrue. But one of the things that I, I started to hear right in the beginning of getting sober was, oh, my God, it's my, it's my birthday. I'm freaking out, freaking out. And I never really understood that. I mean, I, I get that alcoholics freak out about all sorts of things that aren't worth freaking out about. But, but, and I felt like it was one of those same things as when people talked a lot. I heard a lot in the beginning about people going, um, oh my God, my four step. I mean, oh my God, I'm going to go out before I do my four step. And, and I did my four step and I, I think I've probably said this here before, but I was, I'd been waiting my whole life for somebody to listen to a list of who I was pissed off at. It was the most amazing experience to get somebody to listen to that shit. So, so I did not relate to how horrible the four step was. And I, and I really didn't relate to how horrible or, freaky birthdays or anniversaries are. I mean, there's like, it's a wonderful celebration. I mean, it's a wonderful accomplishment. Anybody out there doing it. I, I, um, I don't really feel much of anything, which is, you know, probably something to examine. Uh, I used to always, uh, compare myself to all the people that would get up and, you know, have a year and be weeping with gratitude. And, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm 10 years. I'm still not weeping with gratitude. So who knows? Um, maybe when I take cakes this coming week, I will weep with gratitude. The, the, actually, the email that I'm about to tell you guys about pretty much did make me weep with gratitude. It is so beautiful. And I'm not sharing it because I'm trying to say uh, I'm great. Um, this podcast is great. But it was um, an email from a guy uh, who who basically talked about how... Well, I'm just going to quote it. The second most important thing I did next to getting sober was subscribing to this podcast. And it just, it just means, oh, sorry, I got a text. It just means so what he wrote was just the most beautiful email I've ever gotten. And I, um, sorry, I got another text. <laughs> you guys, I'm a little bit of a basket case. Holy shit. I'm so popular. I'm not. It's the same person who's writing me a long text. 
Uh, anyway, that was really beautiful. I cannot tell you uh, because I get I get discouraged with this podcast. I get uh, it gets sometimes difficult to get guests who agree to come on. I feel self conscious doing these intros, um, and I get emails like that, and it gives me the fuel. I mean, it just, it just means so much because anyway, I can't be as articulate as this guy was in his email, but if you are listening, you know who you are and it, it means I am more than I can express. So, uh, with that, I'd like to introduce this week's guest. He's cool. You're going to like this guy. His name is Ronnie Marmo and he is an actor. I mean, I would call him a soap star though. He would not call himself that he, had a part written for him on General Hospital, and he played it for three years, and the character's name is his name, so draw whatever conclusions you'd like from that. But he is primarily a stage actor and director and has a theater company called Theater 68, which is in Los Angeles and New York, and he directed and has been in the Bill W. and and Dr. Bill play Remember that? He played Bill. I mean, this so, so anyway, he's been sober a very long time, over two decades, more than half his life. And um, he has a crazy story. Jersey Boy, uh, not in that musical, though he is in a musical right now. He has a one-man show right now. It's not a musical, but it's called Lenny Bruce's Back. Uh, super talented guy. He, um, his crazy story involves... Uh, Drug dealing, busts, uh, crack smoking, um, insanity, and then coming to an AA picnic, getting sober from there. So you got to listen to the episode to get how that all happens. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. With that, I give you Ronnie Marmo. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God. I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? So yeah, we're we're, we're totally recording. We're recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't mean to make you super nervous. I'm sure that makes you super nervous. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, so Ronnie, I'm so glad you came in to do this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you didn't even really know what you were getting into, but you just said yes. I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just show up when people ask me. Yeah. Well, actually when certain people ask me. Well, because I dropped Mike Gaffney's name. Yeah. But you were very nice. Your emails, I felt it. You know, yeah. you were very nice. I know how to I know how to manipulate people into coming on the show. It's not a manipulation. I know um, how to make it sound good. You did make it sound good. Your one line emails were fantastic. Right? Yeah, I held right? on to every word. So. so but and so and so Gaffney told me I've got this buddy who's sober a long time and he'd be great. So that was the intro to you. And now you tell me you guys share a mutual best friend. Yeah, James De Benedetto from okay. New Jersey. James. James. He might be a listener, you know. Big Daddy James. He'll he, he, if he's not, he will be starting oh, yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, James, welcome to the show. He's great. Um, so James uh, and I, well, we're very dear, like best friends. Yeah, and yeah. Mike Gaffney and him, I think, are like best friends. We're grown men now, so it's hard to say this is my best friend. That's your best friend. You still go by Ronnie, R- so I yeah. think you can. You're right. allowed to say. Are you judging me right now? No, no. I'm. I, see. I love <clears throat> the youthful. The I do. I love it when like. Adults go by. No, emotionally, I'm 15 years old. Really? No, you're 20. You're 22 years old. 24. So technically, you're 24 years. Yeah, but I had a couple of weird years in recovery as well. So there's like a little setback there a few times without drinking. You know. So okay, so you are. Let's just go back to the beginning. So you're born in New Jersey. I'm born in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York. Okay, and then family's like. Crazy Italian family. Yeah. I was born uh, an identical twin, and he passed away when we were little. Oh, I'm sorry. Which is crazy. And yeah. I only started talking about that the other day. I keep talking about this for some reason this week. So it wasn't a thing that tormented you or you thought Well, about? to be honest, I, I have always kind of had this weird feeling, you know? Yeah. My mom told me when I was a kid, I used to, like, eight, nine years old, I would go in the bathroom in the middle of the night and stare in the mirror and be like, I'm sorry. Like, I would talk oh. to him. His name was Frankie. So I would talk to Frankie and like crazy. So I came from this Italian family, crazy. You know, if you didn't speak English or Italian, you thought we hated each other, but it was love, you know? Right. What do you mean if you didn't speak English or Italian? Like, if you spoke another language. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's like, I love you, you know, and I want to run your face into the wall. You know, it was that kind of love in my house. Yeah. So it was a lot of craziness. So, um, So I grew up there and I lived in Brooklyn until I was six. 
Went to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, How many siblings? I have one older brother, and Jimmy. He's he's great. He's still in New Jersey. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so I had uh, so we moved to New Jersey because my parents thought it would be a better life, which yeah. is funny. In but, itself. but Brooklyn's not easy, right? No, it depends. I mean, you know, I guess it's all relative. Yeah. You know, New Jersey was like a, like a farmland in my mind. Right. You know, if you had a big patch of grass, you had a beautiful lawn, you know. Yeah. Brooklyn, we didn't have much of that. So, so did you like Jersey? I did. I mean, it became my home, but my grandparents still lived in Brooklyn, so we would go back all the time, every yeah. weekend. So I... I kind of claim both. Mm-hmm. If you if you make me claim one, I'll claim New Jersey because I spent from six to about eighteen there. But Brooklyn it's is still a lot I'm still cooler. well. It depends, you know. The Sopranos changed that, I think. Oh, do they? Yeah, they love New Jersey. So, so I don't know. So, I, but I'm a Jersey boy. I mean, you know, yeah. what can I tell you? So and so, you grow up there. What part of Jersey? Woodbridge, okay. c- Central New Jersey. And um, crazy family, crazy small. I thought you were going to say you had like six siblings. Well, when you're Italian, everybody, you're related to everybody. Right. You know, it's my cousins, but you're not really cousins. Yeah. But my dad my dad took off when I was about 11 and kind of, so my mom was this little Italian housewife that went from like, you know, no work to like working three jobs. Right. And I went from like ultra supervision because my dad was pretty strict to no supervision. Right. So, like, I ran the streets like a maniac at, like, age 11. You There's know? streets to run in? Oh, you mean, like... Yeah, like, that, that's, that's street lingo. I'm sorry, Anna, to... Um, so, but you, so, you were out there, like, what were you doing as a kid? What were you and your buddies doing? We were misbehaving. Yeah. Yeah, You were in, getting in a into the, to drugs already? You, well, yeah. See, the thing was is the kids that I kind of looked up to were all 16, and I was, like, 12 at this time. Right. So, all the kids who were 16 were, like, my idols. So, they would, like, tell me, go... Go steal this pack of gum from the store or something, and then we'll give you a beer or whatever, you know? And so I was like, oh my, all right, yeah. So th- those are my idols. So then when I took all the information I was learning from the 16-year-olds back to my friends that were 12, they were like, you're a genius. Yeah. So suddenly I was the leader of the group, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so that's how it went quickly and... What can I tell you? And no, so then you can tell me so much more. So Clearly. I, I don't even know why I'm saying that. What can I tell you? That's a stupid phrase. Yes, All right. hey. I've never said it before. Today I said it twice you already. You don't know that you've never said it before. Think of how many millions of sentences we've all said. I've said, what do you want from me? A lot. What do you want from me? But not what can I tell you? You haven't said it to me yet, except just now. <laughs> so, okay. So what was your first, when did you have your first drink? And what was that like? I don't remember my first drink perfectly. Mm-hmm. But I do remember... I hated the taste. It was terrible. In fact, we used to have these train tracks in my old neighborhood, and uh, we would go and we'd drink there and we'd do crazy stuff. And I remember I would always walk like further away from the group, pretending like I had to go to the bathroom, and I would pour out my booze because I hated the taste. Wow. And then one day, some kid, I remember this perfectly, kid goes, what are you doing? He caught me, you know? I said, well, I, you know, I had something in the, in, the, in the bottle, you know, I quick was like and he goes well you still have to drink it are you nuts you know whatever so i drank it i had to like show off right Mm -hmm. and and that was it like i got a buzz and i was like oh my god this is amazing so i just have to get through this taste yeah yeah, to have this feeling was it it something like rum or something no no it was like a little budweiser it was uh it was like those you remember those uh we used to get those 24 packs nip little nip budweisers and so it was like just so a you beer. You were just a pussy. You couldn't even drink a beer. I wouldn't call me a pussy, and that's quite a statement. But yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't let you. I see the guilt. I, I don't know. I just didn't like the taste of alcohol Fair the enough. first time I tried it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know there would be a big judgment here, Anna. But that was my truth. I, I'm just saying, I liked it a lot. Okay, from the first moment. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, not hard liquor, but beer. And you know what I loved? I loved vodka and Everclear. Don't try to make it like you're not. Pussy. Listen, Anna. Okay, so you light vodka and Everclear. That's, That's true. I thought that I used to light it on fire and take shots of right. Everclear. Oh wow! You never did that. No. Okay, so let's just no. call it what it is. So yeah, you like yeah, beer? Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. I know. We'll get into my crack uh, oh, using I know. later. So surpassing. No, you don't, don't even, even know. Worry. Don't I even know. worry. So okay, so you you learn to like it. You're like twelve. Yeah. You okay. Know, between it, it's a blur from like yeah. eleven to like. 17, I don't know what happened. Yeah. It all happened like it feels like one night, one long night. Yeah, yeah, You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I do. I do, actually. And so were, did you get in trouble? Or you don't know because it's all one long night. I, 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 got in, I started getting in trouble around age six, just in general. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was such a reckless kid that my mom used to have to walk me on a leash. 
Shut up. I swear, in Brooklyn, my mother tied me to the front stoop so I could play with my friends because I was out of my mind. I probably needed medication, but she wasn't, you know, interested in that. So, but that's that's kind of horrible. Well, today uh, she would be in prison for sure. But you know, my mom was cute. She's yeah, little, yeah, yeah. and you know, See, and you you thought it was like, well, I need this. Well, in fact, most of my life, my mother would smack me in the back of the head when I was just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. Like, I would be watching TV, and she'd crack me in the back of the head, and i said, well, what would you do that for? She said, she'd say, because I know I missed something. I know uh, I missed something. You know what I mean? Did your brother get that? My brother was such a good boy. Yeah. In fact, when I would steal, yeah. he would make me take it back to the store. Wow. So wow. I had a very different experience. So I was, like, really out of my mind from yeah. the minute I remember. So did I get in trouble? I was always in trouble. Yeah. 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 Did drugs and alcohol get me in trouble? Sure. Just a different kind of trouble kind of so know. what was the first drug you did i guess uh, we i guess i smoked some marijuana you smoked some marijuana uh, yeah cool. marijuana that's the grown-up way to say it yeah yeah, yeah. weed um, yeah so you smoked smoked yeah. and then and you liked that right away yeah i kind of liked everything i tried mm-hmm. right after booze booze was the f- thing that like i eventually fell in love with but it was it wasn't the first thing that i yeah. loved do you know what i mean yeah yeah. It kind of became the thing I started doing every day because I was trying to like come down from like hard drugs, you know what I mean? Get that. So yeah. so that so booze and and weed was like the thing I thought I had to do in order to calm myself down. And then so you how do you get out of Jersey? Well, I uh how did I get out of Jersey? You went to, did you you went to college? College. Yeah. I didn't even go to high school, Anna. You didn't go to high school? I left in eighth grade. I wow, ne- never even went to high school. Fascinating. Okay. So, no, I did not go to college. You did not go to college. The college I went to was very different. It's College of Life? Well, yeah, it's usually, uh, I'm not going to say I did any real time in a penitentiary, but that's what we call college. What do you mean? I don't even get it. They call it, in my neighborhood, college is jail. Wow. When they say I just got out of college, yeah. oh, they mean they just got out of jail. You're like, congratulations. Yeah, congrats. You graduated. Yeah. yeah, you got out. So, um, I never went to high school. Can you so, believe that? And so what did you do after after eighth grade? Well, I was really busy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I had a Corvette. I had bought a Corvette. Wow. I, well, I was, I was, let's just say I was dealing in pharmaceuticals. Okay, well, don't skip and, uh, the good part. Anna, listen, it's all good. We could be here for all day, okay, like days. So, so, but you, how did you start doing that? I met a guy and uh, the truth is I got left back in seventh grade mm-hmm. and I was so bored mm-hmm. in school. Like... You know, I just I just had things to do. I really couldn't yeah. do it, okay? So I um, I met some guy who gave me an opportunity to make a lot of money really quick. Uh-huh. So at like, you know, 14 years old, I'm making 1000 a day, and, I'm, and at 15, I have a Corvette. So what does he say to you? You know, uh, would you like uh, to make money? I'm looking for somebody in this neighborhood, really, mm-hmm. to take care of business. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's me. What does he have you dealing? Well, at first it was just weed, but mm-hmm. then eventually, uh, you know, they say, don't ever... If if you use coke, you shouldn't sell it because you become your best customer. Well, isn't that don't get high on your own supply? Well, yeah, that's a cool way to say it. But yeah. uh, you know, when you're 15, you don't know better. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean. So uh, so he gives you coke to deal to your friends. Well, just it turned out to be like nine towns I was supplying. I, I at 15, I had a Corvette which was parked around the block, and my mother who died very young at 53. Mm-hmm. And I was 23, thank you. She passed away, but on her deathbed, she goes, and just so you know, I saw that Corvette. I'm not stupid. Yeah. So I didn't think she saw it. I would hop the fence and get in the yeah, car, yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I would drive okay. to school and, and uh, in this Corvette, and the teachers would go nuts. I, I was pretty much out of control. You know? And so was it, uh, were you scared of getting busted when you were dealing with I drugs? never considered it. Yeah. In fact, I thought I'd be gone by the time I was 17. Yeah. I thought I was going to be the kid that they write their name on the train tracks. Go, remember that guy? And here I am. I'm still here. Yeah, I thought I would die like in some dramatic way. Yeah. Whether overdose or like in some crazy fight or something, you know, because I fought a lot. You did fight a lot? Mm Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, so uh, I have some scars that I can't really show you right now. Really? It would be inappropriate. Right, right. I mean, these are glass doors. Well, that's the issue. Yeah, yeah, really. So, that's what I, you know, so you got in fights like knife fights? Is that well, what you yeah, mean? I mean, you know, different kinds of fights, sure. I mean, yeah. there were knives involved at times, you know? Yeah. So, so I was just reckless and, um, and I really thought I wouldn't make it. So every day to me was like, you know, I really took that saying, live every day like your last, very literal. Like, right. I really thought I was just a cowboy, you know? Yeah, I mean, I do. And plus, a lot of addicts do say that you know it's funny I didn't have that oh I'm gonna die young thing I just never thought about the future 
Uh-huh. It's different, but weird. No, yeah. Never thought when I grow up, I'm good. I mean, I guess I did, but I, it was so vague. It was like, I'm going to be super like fabulous. And I sort of pictured myself in an office. It's weird. because That's really funny. But like, but like what's so weird is that until this actual office that we're in, I never had, I think like sometimes I'm like, Oh, this is what I was imagining Mm -hmm. doing stuff in an office. This is your office. Yeah. We're in my office. Oh, this is really impressive. (laughs) <laughs> I'm serious. Congratulations. You got it. Yeah, I got it. But but I so I pictured myself first of all I pictured myself in a suit, which is weird because I've never owned one. Kind of being kind of, I had no You're not idea. in a suit I'm right done, now. No, but this is a little dressed up for me. No, I mean, you know, dress. it's like Saturday night like at a club. This is like a club outfit, right? Let's not confuse listeners. I don't wear club outfits to work. Oh, you don't? No, but I would say another way of saying that is I look nice. You, well, you know, but that's one way of saying you, it. You do look nice. So the stripes are working. So dude. okay, yeah. So slimming, slimming. When stripes are this way. Anyway, anyway, you're wearing stripes too. I, so so, um, but I had no. I do think that other kids were like, I'm gonna go up. I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be an astronaut. I'm gonna be president or whatever. So you didn't do that either. No. To, to give you an example of how what my m- mindset was when I was a kid. Uh, show and tell in kindergarten yeah the kids would bring in what they wanted to bring in and i would bring in like you know pictures of like john Gotti. like i wanted to like i thought like if i could just make the gambino family right you know what i mean like right. really that was like i always rooted for the bad guy in the movie you know yeah, what I mean? yeah like i just so badly but i was a nice the thing was is that it almost didn't work because i always had like a big heart and i was a nice boy every time i'd go in front of the judge he would say you're a good kid what is the matter with you yeah you're a nice yeah. kid. It's these stupid friends, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, it was never like I wanted to like rob a pocketbook because I was a bad boy. Yeah. It was because, you know, I just, I was, I had an addiction and I, and I had to take care of business. I would always feel bad if that means anything. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't like cold hearted or anything. It was just my life. I was just in the middle of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and so did you get busted for drugs, for dealing drugs? Yes, in a very big way. What does that mean? They raided my house and uh, they came in like off the roof. There was helicopters in my little neighborhood in Jersey. And my poor mom, I, I destroyed it. They ripped up the entire house. They took out her ceilings, oh her floorboards. God. They ripped up all her couches with knives. They destroyed her house. And I was tried as an adult. I was 16, maybe 17, 16. Why were you tried as an adult? Because I had a handgun. I had... Uh, Oh. I had lots of different things were happening. Did somebody you sold to turn you in? It turned out that, I don't know how it went down exactly, but it turned out that they ha- they had rented the house. The FBI rented the house across the street from me, and I didn't know it. And they had about a 1,000 hours of me selling drugs. So and it was the best thing ever happened, you know, because yeah. honestly, like, I needed to get help terribly. But did you get help then? I did, but then I was sober for two years and ten months, and then one morning I woke up and decided to drink a beer. And, yeah. Uh, and that night I was smoking crack again. Did you go to jail? I did for a short time, mm-hmm. but I had a... Um, I was very blessed, man. I had an angel always looking over me, because I would go... I would get arrested for certain things, but I never kind of did any real time. And then um, I recall... My lawyer, uh, my lawyer's name was Lou Ippolito. Mm-hmm. This Italian guy from my mm-hmm. neighborhood. And he took care of something. I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. But all I know is that the day I asked for help, I went in. I went into court. I got busted with so many things. I had 11 accounts of assault. There was this kid who was messing around with my girlfriend. I went to his high school. Remember those little baseball bats you get at the baseball game, the yeah. little ones? Yeah, yeah. So I went into a high school with this bat, and I pulled him out of his classroom and, and beat him up. And uh, with the bat, with the bat, yeah, uh, you know, he, little bat. It was little, yeah. But he, yeah, he. he but then yeah. I yeah. turns out I got arrested for that. They caught me and yeah. out in the field trying to run away. And so some big football player tackled me and held me down until the police came. Jerk. God. Anyway, he passed away since. So whatever. I'm not going to get into that storyline. But anyway, yeah, because I have big feelings about that. But. He did me a favor, actually. Yeah. I didn't know that. Then. Yeah. So, uh, so I went to court over and over and over. And this guy, this old judge, was always like so mad at me. And the last time I was there, he's like, if you come in here again, I'm telling you, you're going away. That's a four year suspended sentence. So I went to court this one last time. And he was out sick, mm-hmm. which was a miracle. Mm-hmm. And some young, beautiful judge, who's like 30 years old and beautiful, she's like, 
I'm like, I'm, so I'm thinking I'm going mani- to manipulate this woman, right? Yeah. So, so she looks at my, my stuff and she realizes that, that, I don't know, I don't know if she has the wrong stuff or whatever, but she says one year probation. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so I start to walk out mm-hmm. and my mom's like, come on, you know, whatever. She was so happy. And so, because I had said goodbye to all my friends. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going away. And and that's when I believe I had what I think is a spiritual awakening in the courtroom mm-hmm. because something I stopped and I turned to the judge and I said you don't understand like if I leave I'm you know I'm probably going to kill myself or someone else like I need I was 98 pounds mm-hmm. eight of it was my hair it was the 80s mm-hmm. you understand mm-hmm. I was blow drying my hair at mm-hmm. that time had create can't anyway, eat but you can blow dry your hair right I waited yeah and no one said to me Ronnie you should do something about this hair nobody mentioned it you know maybe there were other concerns that came first well but all my friends look like me I look like a like a like a Q tip I yeah, think yeah so um it was 87 1987 so but I had this awakening and I turned to the judge and I said I you know I really think I need help and is there anything you can do for me and it was great and we had this big moment she came over and hugged me which was nice and. I went home that weekend, and that was the last weekend, uh, and then they found me a bed on Monday, and I went away for a two-month uh, rehab, which they, they, um, Careful. oh my goodness, I'm knocking over, I'm getting all pumped up Don't over get there. too excited. This table, <laughs> oh my God. So you're trashing Anna, this my is office, you're trashing my office the way that the, the, the <laughs> Your house got trashed. Anna, I'm getting hyper. What do you I know, want from no, me? No, no, no. You like, can't. You can't. No, it's good. I haven't relived Let, this in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Anyway, no. end of the story is, is they found me a bed in this rehab, mm-hmm. and they. Uh, but the judge was smart. She made me uh, commit to two months, mm-hmm. or I would go to jail. Mm-hmm. So that was really smart on her behalf. And because I said to her, "You don't really. If you look closely, you don't have this right. I should go to jail right now." And yeah. I like totally told on myself. Yeah. And my mom was like, come on, you little son of a bitch. What are you doing? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I allowed to cur- I just cursed. Cursed constantly. Well, you called me a pussy before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so that's what happened. And so wh- where was this treatment center? Is it was it in Marlboro. Yeah, it's called the New Hope Foundation in okay. Marlboro. We've written about it on the website. I call it, we called it No Hope when you were in it. Yeah. That's what the, like, the people in there would well, say. Well, you know there's no a hope. meeting in L.A. that's called New Hope and people call it No Hope. Possibly they're copying you. It's I went homage. there. I went there more than once. I spent okay. a few months there, a few times, okay. and I stayed sober until I was twenty, mm-hmm. and then I relapsed. So mm-hmm. you're sober and you're living still at your mom's house. No, wh- why? Why are you saying it? Because I'm Italian. I'm supposed no, to no, live no, with no, my no. mother I'm until just, I get married. That's, that's very judgmental. I'm just, you know, trying to get a picture. You got to be. You looked at me. You probably live with your no, mother. No, no, no. So you have your own place. No, you were right. So okay. I lived with my mom. And then, but what happened was, Anne, is that um, at 18, uh-huh. I had a year sober mm-hmm. and I had gotten off probation mm-hmm. and I had this Corvette mm-hmm. and it got stolen mm-hmm. conveniently. So I got a bunch of money for that. Mm-hmm. That was good timing. And uh, so I looked at a map mm-hmm. and, I, and I saw that San Diego was the furthest I can go without going in the ocean. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. So I got on a plane by myself with a, a hefty bag of clothes because I didn't have a suitcase and a VCR, which is strange, but I got this great deal on a VCR just before I left, so I bought it. Yeah. I don't even have a TV, but I had the VCR, yeah. right? So I have a VCR mm-hmm. and a hefty bag of clothes, and I fly to San Diego alone. Mm-hmm. And I go there for a week, and I, I called my mom. I said, I'm going to stay here. And I stayed two years wow. by myself in San Diego. And I met a bunch of East Coast Recovery. I had 13 months sober mm-hmm. at the time. And after like a year and a half in San Diego... I uh, I drank again. Um, so. I have a couple questions. So so you were getting so your bad addiction at that point was cocaine that you were snorting. Uh, at some point, like my nose like wasn't even working anymore, so yeah. I started smoking it. Okay, but really at that point, I was just into whatever I could get my hands on. Yeah, know? yeah. Except heroin, I never I never kind of. Did went, you ever do it? No, I never went down that road. Yeah. So you're so so one day in San Diego, mm-hmm. you're like you know what maybe. Drinking and uh, is not the same thing. Like, what was the thought? Well, here's the thing, right? Like, it's never just one day. It's like it was yeah. months of me going to meetings and thinking everybody was an idiot. Yeah. And um, it was San Diego. Let's be honest; they might have been. I'm totally kidding. That's very. Lo- I love my San Diego. Do you love San Diego? No, my brother lived there for a while, and he absolutely hated it. So maybe I'm biased. I loved it so much. Okay. Yeah, I would go there now if I could. Like, you, you could. Know. It's only like an hour and a half. Away. I really could. So yeah. I never considered that. Yeah. So, uh, so what happened is, is that, you know, I was going to meetings and I was pretty much annoyed by everybody and mm-hmm. I was judging everyone. And then 
one day I woke up and the desire to drink was more than stay sober, right? Yeah. So I thought, I'm going to pick up a drink. So I was living with my buddy Jack, Jack Zito, Jackie, uh, who's out there. He was sober too. And I said, Jack, I'm going to pick up a drink today. And he said, no, you're not. I said, no, no, I am. Because I like to fool around. So he thought I was fooling around. Mm-hmm. So I bought a six pack of St. Paulie's Girl because mm-hmm. that was really good beer, right? Mm-hmm. And I hadn't drank in almost three, three years. So I picked up a drink mm-hmm. and I picked up another drink. And he literally was chasing me down the block while I was drinking. Mm-hmm. He was like chasing me, and I was like, "Dude needs Alan on, but go on." Yeah, but, 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 but he was trying know. to help. Yeah, he was my friend. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. still my friend, Jackie. He lives in San Diego still. Nice. So, and he likes it, by the way, Anna. Well, you're probably jealous of him since you wish yeah. you were there right now. That's true. So, so, he, so I drink, and literally, I'm in San Diego. I had never drank or got high in San Diego, and that night I was smoking crack. Wow, how'd you find it? Yeah, fine. What kind of question? Yeah. I can't give names, Anna. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. what I mean? How did I find that? How you you just find you found it. And so you were did you immediately know this is bad? This is out of control? Or you were thought you were like, No, I'm gonna be a totally controlled crack smoker. No, I never pretended to even yeah. wanna be. Yeah. Still today I don't wanna be. Yeah. If I ever drink again, I'm gonna destroy everything. Yeah. Like I don't even wanna have a drink. You understand? Yeah, no, I don't either. No, I wanna take people down. I want like you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I used to, I wanna, you know, yeah. my first year of sobriety, I had I had a job where I was, like, covering parties for a magazine, and I kept thinking, like, I'd watch these, you know, people bring, like, champagne glasses around, like, oh, I want one, and then I'm like, no, I want 16, I want to call yeah. my dealer, yeah, I yeah. want to end up, I guess, suicidal. No, that's exactly what I yeah. want. In yeah. fact, I have no interest in a glass of wine. Yeah. It reminds me of church, actually. Wine scares me. Yeah. I never drank wine. It's like and church. It, it, to me, it's like, oh, I'd get a headache and yeah. just feel cranky. Yeah. I can't, I can't drink because uh, it's going to get really ugly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you have um, alcoholism in your family? Oh, yeah. My dad was, uh, uh, he was um, clean and sober for a long time, but he was one of the original people they tried methadone on in this country. Really? Yeah, he was. Uh, my dad was really a brilliant man. He died just a couple of years back and uh, young. Thank you. But he was, uh, yeah, he was a heroin addict before I was born. Yeah. Did uh, many years on Rikers Island in prison before I was born, and they tried methadone on him. And he came, he came out and ended up getting his, his master's in social work, and he implemented the drug program with Nancy Reagan, Just Say No. My dad worked on that with her. You're kidding. Yeah, so at age 11, like, he split... And I'd see him, you know, a couple times a year, and he'd make me put "just say no" on my friggin' wall. Right. And then I didn't see him. Effective, in your case. It's an understatement. Did he? Was he like, you know, Ronnie? We got we got this genetic. But they didn't really talk about the genetics. No, no. My dad was an incredible man who helped millions of people, but we couldn't talk to each other. Right. So no, we never had that conversation. Were you resentful that he left? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. In fact. He came to visit me in rehab and gave me a big book, and, and I basically told him where he could take that big book. Yeah. I threw it at him. Yeah. If, I said, you're the reason I'm here, so you should. Were you able to sort of, you know, reconcile before you Oh, died? yeah. The last, like, I'd say the last six or seven years of his life, he was my best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we uh, had that big conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I waited my whole life, you know, because when you're Italian, Italian American, and you know, your dad is like, well, everyone feels that way, but. You don't disrespect. Like, I would never raise my voice to him or anything. Right. You know, until one night. I yeah. finally couldn't take it. So I told him, and, and it was great. And he, uh, you know, yeah, it was perfect. He's amazing, and I love him. And and so, so it's all good. And so did, it's, did, um, did he apologize? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, we had a big, uh, we had a conversation that left. We started in Palm, Palm Springs, and all the way to Hollywood, two hours in a car together. And let's just say I was driving like 120 miles an hour and punching the dashboard and the steering wheel a lot. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of screaming in the car. And we didn't look at each other once the wow. whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, there was yeah. a lot to be said. Yeah. And uh, I love that guy. You know, he's incredible. I mean, look, I saw the magic in him, what everyone saw in him. I was just bummed that I didn't get to have it every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. he was really a special guy. Funny and uh, amazing. And like I said, he, he, he helped so many people. And you know, so how long sober was he when he died? Well, he wasn't sober when oh, he died. Okay, he picked up a little wine one night and uh, kind of went back. Wow. After 20 years. So... His life was full circle. Did you get sober after the smoking crack the same night that you had the drink? No, I stayed, uh, I stayed out there for probably... Uh, I don't know. It's fuzzy to me. Less than a year. Mm-hmm. And I was like suddenly back to who I was, you know? And to the point where how I got sober again was Labor Day 1990. What happened was I was, um, I was at home 
and all my uh, in this apartment complex in Pacific Beach, PB. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I was in PB in mm-hmm. San Diego, and all my sobriety brothers. There was like ten of us lived in this huge complex. So they would always come visit. And go, hey. awesome. they called me Spike because it was this funny movie Spike from Bensonhurst out. Yeah, so they'd be like, good. "Hey, Spike, you yeah. ready? You ready to get sober?" And I'm like, "Ah, you know, you guys are a bunch of idiots." So I would drink and I kept going and I was alienating myself. Finally, one day, uh, the night before. I got sober. I remember uh, I really was like had it. I was gonna end my life, and and I had been drinking and for days and vodka, lots of vodka. That's after I be, wasn't a pussy anymore. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, Glad you grew up. eventually I stopped being a pussy at age eleven. <laughs> and uh, so, but you anyway, know, when it hits a nerve, it hits a nerve. I get it. <sighs> God, yeah, you you hit a nerve there. But um, it's probably because you spot it, you got it right. I'm like. <laughs> I'm a girl. You it's are. Allowed. No, that's not true. It's yeah, like you just kind of just insulted a bunch of girls. Yeah. It's like that's like the statement throw like a girl. That's so that's a terrible thing to say. I can't throw. And you know what? You want to know something else? What? Can't really drive either. You can't? No, I I drive well, but I sure get lost a lot even with a GPS. And I'm just going to say this because I haven't already buried myself enough. When I lived in New York, um, I was I had the one cab driven by a woman was the worst drive I've ever had. She's the only cab, female cab driver. It was the, she just didn't know Do anything. you have girlfriends or not? Yes. You do? I do. I mean, not I. Not after this, but it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Don't all. worry. They, they don't all listen. But no, I do. Um, and I always have. It's not like just a sobriety thing. Like, I've okay. always been cool with that. You know, I sometimes have fallings out, but that is. Oh, yeah, I, but that happens, that happens with friends, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly with girls, more than boys, more right? More often, I would say. Boys just kind of hug it out and get on and watch the ball game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. It's, it's we don't need as much. Yeah, and you don't have as many um, feelings about it all. I'm a sensitive guy, and I don't yeah, know if I get, you picked I get, that up. I do get that. Yeah. And alcoholics, I would say, in general, are pretty sensitive yeah. people. So you, uh, after a year-ish... Anyway, yeah, yeah somewhere in there. Um, the night before, I literally was going to take my life. I called one of my best friends, and I asked him uh, to talk to me on the phone, because I was really worried. And he, and he said, I can't talk to you, but call my girlfriend, who I had never met. Mm-hmm. And I spent the whole night on the phone with his girlfriend for like mm-hmm. eight hours. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, I woke up, and uh, my apartment at the time had been uh, locked, padlocked, because I didn't pay the rent, but I was inside. Mm-hmm. You understand? They didn't know I was inside. Mm-hmm. So I was stuck in my apartment. So crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So my sponsor, so this guy, Joey, comes to, to the house, Joey, and he says, hey, you ready to get sober? I said, no, no. He leaves. He comes back with a quarter Yukon Jack. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's like, I, I got you this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you got me whiskey. And he was sober. Mm-hmm. And I go, that's so nice of you, Joey. He goes, yeah, yeah. I thought, you know, you should have a drink. So he's like, have a drink, have a drink, have a drink. So I drank this whole quart in like 20 minutes because he was egging me on. Mm-hmm. And I woke up. At a, a, a sobriety picnic, drunk, sitting in a circle with a thousand people, oh and I, I had no shirt on. And my sponsor goes, uh, "So are you? Are you? You feel humble now?" You oh know? my god! And I, I woke up at a at a Labor Day picnic. That's amazing. Yeah, I was. So they trash. waited till you passed out. I was drunk. Like I don't even remember. Out. I don't yeah, remember yeah, any yeah. of it. So then, so then they took me to a seven day rehab, and uh, I never forget. I was trying to come to, and I saw Joey walking away. With no shirt on, and then I, he was a big guy. And I looked down, and I had his shirt on, and then I and then I realized that, um, and that was it. I haven't had a drink or a drug since, and that was a long time ago. Yeah. So that was how I came back. But you know, it t- takes what it takes, right? And then you had you wanted to be an actor before you got sober. You know, I was the kid. I was the kid who, like, literally, I would go do these crazy things on the street corner with my friends. Who are all dead, by the way. All my friends I grew up with are dead, and one's in prison uh, yeah. until he's 63. That's the first time he's eligible for parole. Yeah. And they're all dead, four of them, murdered and OD'd. Jesus. So I'm the only one who made it. And so, but what I would do is I'd go home, and like as a teenager, and like, you know, I'd go to bed, I'd be like writing poems, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like an artist, and I didn't know what that meant. I was mm-hmm. just a, like a street kid, you Country know? But, yeah, you should. Maybe someday I'll maybe share you, with you. If you memorize it, you could recite it. Well, I know some of them, but I, that's I, so cute. Maybe we'll ha- get to that. Okay, yeah, well, it's, not, it's not happening today. Uh, but anyway, the point is, is that did I always want to be an actor? I don't know if I could put my finger on it then, but I knew that there was something beyond here. I always kind of thought, like I told you, that I thought I'd be dead by the time I was seventeen. At the same time, I always thought it was either that or something else was waiting for me mm-hmm. beyond this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was. You know, I, I thought I would either be underground or 
or something else was happening. Your you name know? would be in lights. You didn't Some think lights, that. maybe the lights, yeah, right next to the freeway on the. Uh, so. And so you began pursuing that then. Well, my mo- my mother passed away when I was twenty three, and her and I used to go see plays all the time in my neighborhood, and the plays weren't very good, but mm-hmm. but I thought they were brilliant. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, oh my god! So I would always be like going crazy after the show. I was like three four years sober, mm-hmm. and my mom would say like, you should try it, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, no no no. And then when she died, I called my friend who just passed away, crazy enough, young guy. I called him Pat Carpenter because he was the one we used to go see in the plays. And I said, Pat, next time you hear about a tryout, I didn't even know it was called an audition. Mm -hmm. You hear about a tryout, I'd like to come try out, Mm -hmm. you know? And he told me about it and I went and I got the part and uh, had no idea what I was doing. And uh, that's what happened when I was 23. And so I've been pursuing it ever since. And I, I started making a living so thankful in, uh, I guess I was like 27, 25 maybe. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I've been Continue. doing it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. So you never waited tables. I waited tables for two years at the beginning because I thought you were supposed to. I thought yeah. it was a requirement. Yeah. Like I quit my job. I was like, I'm going to wait tables. What was your job before that? Oh, I had a lot of different jobs. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Okay. Stupid jobs. I was, I, I was a, a headhunter. Oh, wow. I got people jobs. Yeah. But really all I did was go to work and pick on my, my office mate the whole day and make and at the end of the day buy me a tie it was the whole thing right 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 you know i mean and so i have to picture you in an office though well that I was mean, the I'm problem right now but you know no, i'm sitting in your office yeah, but yeah, this yeah. can't go on much longer yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, i'm going crazy yeah, in this yeah. office you know <laughs> it's what i mean weird. I gotta it's be so not my thing um <laughs> i'm in a nightclub outfit and it's still no you there. look like it's saturday night and meanwhile it's tuesday afternoon okay go on um i can't believe i knocked your picture off the wall it, to be it wasn't on very like it's, it wasn't and it's too close either. look I go like this I and know then... I told you this whole setup is changing I'm having an actual podcast table built I'm not even kidding you're having a table built you well, know they have a lot of tables in the world you could probably find something that suits your needs we, we got this one but but you got this right on Hollywood Boulevard no I, I did and I paid money for it um, you paid for this yeah I know it's hard to believe not a lot not a lot. It's can, cute. It's actually like a like a like a um, like where you where you gonna eat your sandwich. You know I mean? Yeah, that's cute. It's you know it's great on a podcast <laughs> to talk about things that people can't see. Just so you know. Well, they can't see us. I know, but they can they can Google. They should be Googling you oh, first of all, yeah. and, and and possibly you're listening to this podcast because they know you. Maybe. And they're like, "Who's this woman who keeps yeah, talking? I want to hear my buddy." I'm sure there'll be someone listening who knows you and not me. Yeah, well, maybe the regular listeners. Yeah, who knows? Good. Who that'd knows? You're a well-known guy. Well, you know, a few people, like so, three okay, or four people. So let's talk about you becoming a well-known guy. So you start now. It was my impression that you were a soap star, and you did clarify well, when you walked in that that was not your thing no, necessarily. No, I love. I love. I love. Uh, I did General Hospital for three years. Yeah, and it was awesome. Yeah, but I kind of never saw myself like like a soap yeah. actor. Although I have to say that's a. I think that's a. It doesn't mean the same thing as it used to mean. There's yeah. amazing actors on soaps. And uh, a lot of my scene partners were awesome. So, But I've been lucky enough to make a living doing film and a lot of theater. Theater's my, really my heart. Yeah. But you can't make a living in L.A. doing theater. So, um, so I, I did 150 episodes of General Hospital. And you, did you not play a guy named Ronnie? Am I making that up? I did. I played Ronnie. Did, did they create that for you? Yeah. The, guy, the part was written for me uh-huh. uh, by the head writer, and I thought I was only going to do five episodes. Uh-huh. So that's why I was shocked that he, you know every week they just kept calling. And yeah. so I did 150 episodes. And, yeah. And it was cool. And it was a great... It made me a better actor, truthfully, because you get one take, and you, you know that's it. Like They're banging out... Yeah. I mean, they shoot 120 pages a day. That's insane. And in a movie, you shoot that in 22 days, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, so was uh, that your first, you know, sort of foray into becoming sort of a well-known-ish guy? Well, I did a movie, uh, my biggest role I think was in a picture called Deuces Wild. It was a fifties gang movie. Uh, it it was an MGM film and it was a lot of stars in it and me, which was funny, but there was like, you know, uh, Brad Renfro who's passed away from addiction. Yeah, I knew him. So did I. He was a good friend. In fact... I used to. I was the only one who was because he was underage at the time, and I was able. I was the only one who could take him off set, mm-hmm. and I would take him to meetings and stuff and try yeah, to help him. And, yeah, uh, he was. He was a good kid. He avoided me when he saw me because he didn't. You know, yeah. he didn't want the truth. I loved him, but it was a lot of great people. So I did that film, and I guess 
I guess it's fair to say that General Hospital gave me the most amount of street cred mm -hmm. because it reaches a lot more people. Mm -hmm. But certainly there were some circles of people who like appreciated the things I had done. I, I've probably been in about 40, oh, 40 yeah. films. Your IMDb page was too long to print. Let's oh, stop it. Yeah. You're very nice. It's been great lately. I've been very blessed. Really? Why? Yeah. So, and you did the doc, you directed the Dr. Bill, the Dr. Bill, Bob yeah, and yeah, Bill. Yeah. Tell me about how that happened. What's going on here? You're dropping your water. This is like... Trying to make you feel comfortable so I'm trashing my office a little bit too. Yeah. Um, I, you know, th thinking about this office, I have to be honest, yeah. if, if we reworked a few things, there wouldn't be such danger with the left arm. By the way, I'm so open to that. Okay. I'm so open to that. Well, let's that. finish this and yeah, then I'll see yeah, if we yeah. can move some furniture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Bill W. Dr. Bob. Yeah. I, uh, I got cast in the play in New Jersey like 19 years ago. I couldn't do it, but I kept the play always, and I always thought about it. And so then we had this little theater. I'm the artistic director. I don't know if you know of a theater company. Yeah. Theater 68. Yes, I did know that. In L.A., New York. email signature. Oh, it is? And also, you know, I do my research. You do? Yeah. You don't have to look that hard. It's not much going on. But um, Theater 68. Yeah. So I have this company 14 years old in L.A., and yeah. in New York we're three years old, and I go back every six weeks That's to amazing. New York, whatever. Yeah. Thank you. So I love the company. I'm doing a great play right now. You should come see it. It's what called it? Serial Killer Barbie. Okay. It's a big hit. The Times give us a rave. It's the Where first musical it? I ever directed. It's at our theater, the NoHo Arts Center. The NoHo Arts Center. Lancashire Magnolia. You know, and NoHo is now the new arts place. It's, I did hear it's, that. It's where it's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll talk off the air yeah. about Serial Killer Barbie, but it's going are awesome. You, are you in the plays that you direct as well? Sometimes, but I usually don't direct myself because I'd like to think that uh, my ego's not that big and, yeah. and I need, I'm not that good. I need people to watch my performance. Okay. So I don't. I, you know, could I direct myself in Bill W? Yes, because the play I've done it so many times. And uh, who'd you play? I played Bill W. That's awesome. I played Bill Wilson, but I finally grew into the age because when I first directed it, I wasn't old enough, and now I am. And you don't so, look old enough, though. Do they old you up a little bit? Anna, he plays thirty nine. How old? That's you, I mean. How old do I look? Well, no, I mean I would say that my image, you know, Bill W. I'd say there are more pictures of him. Yeah, when as he, he was got older. older. Yeah, in the play, he's thirty nine. Yeah. And is that the same? So when how I how old do I look, Anna? Please be honest. I need a haircut. We're gonna the big hair. It does make you look younger. I think it does? I would say you look honestly like thirty four, thirty six. No, for some reason I didn't say thirty five. What happened with thirty five? I don't know. You left it right out. I don't know. Okay, thanks for yeah. thanks for clarifying. Yeah, appreciate that. Do you think that sober people look younger than other people? Probably because. They probably get a little more sleep, unless you're a head case like me. I haven't slept lately, so I probably look older than I usually do. Um, I would say probably because I always think that anyone who has a program is like actually working on themselves yeah. and taking care of themselves. There's probably a bit of a relaxation in their face. At least, yeah. at least they. I don't know. I I don't know how to communicate it, but I, but I would say I usually can tell when I look at somebody if. I don't know if they're sober, but there's some sort of like self-help. They're taking care of themselves in some right, way, you know? Right, Yeah. Well, and also not imbibing things that are bad for you helps. But I also yes. have a theory that, I mean, it's different with drinkers because mm -hmm. they do look older. But people who did drugs, that, that, that drugs... Uh, this is not scientific. You know, you know how they they keep you from emotionally growing, and they kind of keep you repeating the same things over and over again. I think they preserve your youth in mm. this weird way, in mostly a terrible. This way. is a crazy theory. It's a crazy theory, but you will you will notice that like former junkies and former coke mm -hmm. addicts. When they're sober, they tend to look pretty young. Mm. Well, it's probably because the way they were looking, anything's an upgrade. True. You could look at it that way. But you meet them and they're like, I'm 50. And you're like, you look 36. No, I hear what you're saying. It's weird. Uh, I hear what you're saying. My friend in New York says that AA is God's beauty parlor. That's what he said? Yeah. What do you think of that? I'm going to have to think about that one. This is kind of good, though. You, even There's a lot, at a, lot first, of, a lot of pretty people there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Did that keep you uh, interested in the beginning? Well, when I first when I first came around, I um, I was there was a bunch of old people, mm -hmm. and in fact, I was one of the first young people in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so, when I came, there was another guy named Joey who was my age, and I met him there. And so there was two of us. Mm -hmm. And back then, we were going to like CBGBs in the city. And you know, I know looking at me, you probably think I like uh, disco, mm -hmm. but I grew up listening yeah, to yeah, hardcore. Yeah, and you know, we yeah. went. We'd go see the Ramones or Sick of It All, you know, great skinhead mm -hmm. groups. And that's what I was into mm -hmm. uh, when I first got clean. And so 
he and I were the first two that were clean and young. And then suddenly another guy came in. And then we had this little group going, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, I didn't have – in New Jersey, it was very different. Out here in L.A., you go to – you could hit a few meetings and, and certainly there's lots of glam going on. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that where mm-hmm. I was. I just didn't want to feel bad anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so the ladies didn't keep you coming back? The ladies. Uh, the ladies, usually the average age was like 97 okay, in my the, meeting. Okay, so they kept me coming back because they made me cookies yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they thought I was cute. They're like, ah, oh, there's the kid, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So that kept me coming back. Today, ladies, uh, it's a little different yeah. um, mentally. I don't need cookies at yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you go to lots of men's meetings, though? Uh, I, I don't, really. Um, and I don't even have an answer why. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, so, you know, I'm a, I don't know. Maybe it's the cookies. Maybe it's the cookies. You're very funny. Did you see the uh, Bill W. play or you No. Didn't? Oh, that was so... So when I kept hearing about that, that was your play. It's that was not like my play. I, I have, the, I have the rights to it. it in L.A. So, yeah, so it's my But play. what about the one in New York? I wasn't affiliated with that, okay. although I spoke to the writer a lot and I helped, but I, yeah. I didn't... My name wasn't on it in any way, but I certainly was a part of it. In fact, there was some talk at some point of me maybe going in and playing one of the roles, but I just couldn't leave here for so long um, to commit to that, you know. But uh, so that was me, and I directed it, and we did over four hundred performances. I was very bummed I missed it. Well, you might see it again because because oh, I haven't done it in five years. Five years has gone by, if you can believe it. And I was just talking about it because I like working with sober people, but the truth is, I don't get to do it enough. So in my mind, I'm working with a hundred people a night when I put on that play. Yeah. Because when you come, it's really an experience. Yeah. Like crazy. So but, to me, it's like. Makes but me they're bad. not sober people in the play. Well, sometimes I do it. I yeah. try to find sober actors because yeah. it means more to them. Yeah. But sometimes when you find sober actors, they boss you around and tell you who Bill was, and that's hard to direct. That's so there's a, fu- there's a fine line, you know? It's a fine line. You mean those know-it-alls who know the history? The, the AA police. Yeah. 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 No, I, I love the history of it, actually, and I could probably learn more, you know? And, I, and the, the play, a lot of people would come to the play because the book is such old language, and sometimes... You know, it's hard sometimes to get through it for me. You yeah. know, it's hard for me to get through any book, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not much of a reader in that mm-hmm. way. But uh, but people would come and say, they'd see the play and they'd say, now it feels like the big book coming alive is like a pop-up book. And they'd say, now I get, because of the play I've stayed sober, I got hundreds of letters like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't stay sober before. I didn't understand it. Now it's very clear. So to me, that is like, you know. That's amazing. Yeah, so. Was it, was it taped? And is that available for people? It was taped. Uh, it could be available, I guess. I hadn't really considered it. Um, I used to struggle, to be honest with you. I struggled with the idea of selling tickets. Mm-hmm. Right, because service. It was, yeah, service and the tra- traditions. That's a different. So, uh, but I, I eventually let that go because I realized that in order to put it on, it takes this money to do yeah. it. But it, but it took a while. Like I was really I struggled with that because I don't want to ever make money off of anything that like that. You know. But there is a massive difference between being of service to somebody that you're helping, you know, sponsoring or whatever, being of service to a meeting, and doing your work mm-hmm. that happens to help people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, that's something that, frankly, I never even think about. I mean, I do. Obviously, it's sort of hitting a point for me. But, you know, with this with this website. Well, sure. Edit, sure. You must have. You know, um, and with the books that I wrote about it, I'm still doing it as work, and and it's not I'm not I'm not working for twelve step program in terms of just helping people. Anyway, my well, point it's is a fine. No, you feel guilty I appreciate that, and and if I ever do, I'm going to call you and go. I'm feeling yeah. guilty. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll talk you through it. Thank you. The thing is, for me, is like you know, Bill Wilson said. Uh, I heard at some at somewhere that uh, never be too anonymous where you can't help someone yeah and at the same time when they were like you know being anonymous is our biggest factor it was way before no one could anticipate everything that's going on in the world now with the internet and the media and all that so it's a funny balance and I certainly don't want to be the guy to change what their wishes were but at the same time it's like it's almost fashionable to be sober you know a lot of people are sober it's amazing yeah no absolutely and and um you know it, it's it's hard when you hear people are perfectly comfortable lamenting it who are not in it so that's sort of what motivated well, well bill me. one of bill's 
fears was always like the wrong guy who gets on the you know on the news then drinks and then they say well AA right. doesn't work right well yeah but I think that's we end up talking about this on the podcast pretty much every week which is good we get a new take on it but but I mean that's ludicrous you've got people going around saying it's the most evil cult in the world world so one guy I mean people are logical like they well, get that you, one guy you're giving people a lot of credit and sadly I wish but I've had too many conversations with people who just don't get it and I'm like and they say, you've got to brainwash. Well, if, believe me, my brain needed to totally. be washed. Totally. I, I, my brain was not, you know, my best thinking got me in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So, um, but I, I don't know. You know, it's shocking. It's shocking in this day and age that people aren't all familiar with the program. But there are people who still don't have any clue what's going on. And they have this big fat judgment about it, you know. What do you think of the possibility that people who do not suffer from addiction and therefore don't need it cannot understand it? What do I think about people who don't suffer and don't need it? I've never met a human being that doesn't need the program. Really? No. I, I think some sort of 12-step yeah. self-help program. My Aunt Fran is the nicest woman in the world. Yeah. The nicest woman in the world. She could probably use the 12-step program for something. Right. So I don't, I don't buy into the fact that I, I – in fact, if everyone – if it was a requirement for everyone to have some sort of 12-step structure in their life – looking at their parts and, you know, making yeah. amends when it's appropriate and yeah. all those things. I have a feeling that this would be a nicer world. I completely agree. So, so I, don't, I don't buy into it. There's different levels of addiction because here's the, here's the truth. It's self-diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, you may, think I'm a, you may think I have a problem with knocking furniture over. I, I personally don't think I have that problem. I've seen it. It's an issue, but it's not a problem. When it happens 17 times in an hour, I know. Well, something listen, to look at. I'm like a... I know. You, you put me in the seat like I'm six years old. I yeah. feel like I'm waiting. I'm on a block. Like I'm. A, Your back is to the wall, so you could get shot. And you know the fact that I'm still listening to you is a testament. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So, but yes, I do think that everyone could benefit. But I do think that the only people who are willing to do these radical, on the surface, unpleasant things are people who are in a great deal of pain, as opposed to minimal pain that they're not aware of. I, I hear you. I hear you. And you know what? I think, I, think you, I think you're probably right. But I will say that there have been people who I've met along the way who don't have... How do I express it? Don't have like... They're not in so much pain where there's big dramatic things happening in their life. But sometimes the slow cookers, the slow burners are even worse. Yeah. They, you know, I know people who are 50 years old who have yet to have a real conversation with somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and they're going to blink, it's going to be over, and they're going to yeah. go, oh, too many regrets. So I feel like it comes in all shapes and sizes. Does that make sense? 100%. Okay. I completely agree with you. I think that low-grade pain is all over. All world. over. You know. I'm the kind of guy that when something was wrong, people in Cleveland knew about it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. I have a feeling you might be Yeah. Similar. I mean, I, I, you know, I just sort of feel like I feel things very deeply. You know, I can tell. Still today, no, you're still resenting me with the picture. I feel it. No, things like that I get over, but like, but no, I just everything is is feels you know, and I think that's alcoholism in a certain way. Like, I can't handle how I feel. I have to change it. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I do know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so your life today is you're 24. Sorry, I can't do math. 22. 24. 24 years sober. Mm You've been sober more than half your life, mm-hmm. and uh, and what is your life like today? You live in L.A. I live in L.A. Go um, to New York every six weeks. Every six weeks, I go to New York to to take care of my theater company in New mm-hmm. York. I'm a complete workaholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Welcome to pe- that club. Yeah, people say, "What do you do for fun?" I say, "I work." That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my hobby. Yeah, um, I produce a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I produce a lot of films, mm-hmm. kind of, but I produce a lot of theater. Um, my life is basically trying to, uh, you know, the thing is, the thing is, is when you, when you do this for a living, there's not a nine to five job where yeah. you go like, I'm only as good as the last job or the, the next paycheck yeah. and I'm only worth whatever people are willing to give me. So yeah. financially, yeah. I mean, not worth personally, but financially. So I'm, I'm just always chasing the next job. Yeah. Every time I leave a job, I say I'm going into retirement. Yeah, and then yeah, I, yeah. And then I come out Something of retirement. Happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm out of retirement. So I've been very lucky lately. I've been working a lot, thank God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I go to as many meetings as I can. I try to try to keep my head on straight. And mm-hmm. 
I do a one-man show where I play Lenny Bruce. Okay, yeah, and which, that's going on right now? Well, it was. I did someone else's play for a few years, but I finally have written my own with Lenny's material mm-hmm. uh, from the a blessing of his daughter, Kitty Bruce, who's amazing. And Lenny died of a heroin overdose yep. at, at 40, and, you know, he's incredible. And so uh, so I do a one-man show where I play Lenny, and I'm trying to nurture that a bit. And, uh, you know, I just have a lot of things going on, and hopefully I make yeah. time for everybody and everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. I try to, you know, take care of that. So. Seems like a pretty good life, if not a very good life. I think I have a great life, because the truth is, is like... You know, I could be in prison or dead. I mean, the difference between me and my friend who's in prison was I just ran a little faster. I mean, that was it, you know. And so why did I get saved and he didn't, you know. So I really take literal the idea that, that, you know, every day is my last. I really do. Like, I'm getting the most out of this life in a crazy way. Yeah. I try to to be gentle along the way. I try to be the best friend I can be. Yeah. and, uh, you know, not banging into too much furniture, if you know what I mean. Yeah, maybe tomorrow will be a better day for that. <laughs> well, I'm off to a bad start right now. It can only go up. This is a great note to end on. We're, I'm, I'm good. You got Are anything you? to add? I, I don't have anything to add. Good. You love that guy, right? He's lovable. Ron Marmo, go check him out all over the internet, the web, as we say. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.